Hi friends, how are you today? My name is Bailey Sarian and today is Monday, which means it's Murder, Mystery, and Makeup Monday. If you are new here, hi, my name is Bailey Sarian and on Mondays I sit down and I talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my noggin and I do my makeup at the same time. If you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would say, hey, subscribe because that's what I do, hey. And if not, don't subscribe, that's okay too, you know? Do whatever you want, live, laugh, love, great. But other than that, baby, I'm ready, okay? Because, look, I got my notes here. Yes, I take notes every time I do these stories. <laughs> Today's story is about twins. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about twins. I've always been fascinated, personally, by twins because they got something going on. I don't know what it is because I'm not a twin, but you know what I'm talking about. like. They're kind of, um, I don't know, they can look at each other and it's like, oh, they just put a hex on someone, you know? Like, they've got superpowers. Well, the, today's story is not very, <laughs> it's bad twins, but it's okay. Okay, shut up, Bailey, let's get to the story. I've had a lot of coffee and Red Bull, so I definitely have wings. Okay, so today we're talking about Jasmia and Tasmia Whitehead, and these two are identical sisters, identical twin sisters, and they were born on November 27th, 1993. They grew up in Decatur, Georgia, and their mother, her name was Jamaica uh, Whitehead, but she went by the name of Nikki. So I'm just gonna call her Nikki. So Nikki, she was, did I say she was 18? So she was pretty young when she had the twins. And Nikki herself had a pretty rough childhood. I mean, she was born to a young mother and her mother was literally in jail when she gave birth to her daughter, Nikki. And then she kind of, you know, bounced around. Her mother didn't want to really raise her and also, I just think she was preoccupied by being in jail, you know? So I, I don't know. Her mother's name's Linda. So Linda had Nikki young. And because of this, Linda let her grandma raise her daughter. So her grandma's name is Della. So Nikki was raised by her grandma, Della. And when Nikki was 16 years old, she ran away from home and she was kind of just like bouncing around. It was said that she liked to party and have fun and like go out and just do her thing, you know? So when Miss Nikki had Taz and Jazz, um, she was also young and couldn't, or felt like she really couldn't take care of the kids. So she actually gave custody to Della, which is the twins' great-grandma, but Nikki's grandma. Got it? Okay, I know you do. I'm just getting confused myself. So Della was considered the primary caretaker of the girls. Nikki was young herself and she wasn't really around that much. It was said that she would come and go and make sure to be like in the girls' lives, but she wasn't, you know, the the mother. She was seen as more like a friend or a sister and she would just drop in whenever. And Miss Nikki, she made it a priority to like continue just living her own life while her grandma was raising her kids. And I completely understand because, I mean, when you're a young parent, I don't know what it's like, but I could imagine it being really difficult because you still want to go out and have this, your social life, but you're a parent, like, I don't know. So I get it, you know? But it was said that Nikki's grandmother, the one who was raising the, the kids, she was happy to raise them. 
she wanted to. She wanted to be in their lives. She wanted to give them consistency and just raise good kids. Della, she tried her best to give the girls uh, a great a great upbringing. She made sure that they were involved in a bunch of different activities like ballet and music lessons and the Girl Scouts. I never made it above brownies. I was always jealous of actual Girl Scouts. But yeah, they were all in, involved with just activities, okay? And Nikki, the girl's mother, she would always try her best to make sure to financially contribute to the girl's activities. So it wasn't just like all on her grandma, you know? Miss Nikki, she had ended up going to cosmetology school and she became like a very successful and very uh, like skilled stylist. Like she was really good at her job and she made sure that the, the girls, her daughters also just were well taken care of. It was said that the girls, like, they always had their hair done. They had name brand um, clothing, uh, high-end stuff, like, in the closet. They seemed to be living a very good life based off of the materialistic things. So, you know, that's an eye roll because it's like, that doesn't say much, but on the outside, it seems like things are great. And then on top of that, the girls, the twins, they were really, really good at school. <laughs> was that proper English? Yeah, I don't know. But they were really good students. It was known amongst the teachers and whatnot that the girls were really smart. They studied hard, they did well in school, and they were straight A students. So it was like, they are thriving. So Nikki relied heavily on her own grandma, Della, to, to help out. Uh, raised the girls, and she never really reached out to her, her own mother, Linda. Uh, she never, like, reached out to her and asked her for help. It was mentioned throughout, like, the research that Linda had Della raise Nikki. So, like, Della was technically, like, Nikki's mother. And Nikki didn't fully trust her own mother. There was a lack of trust. There wasn't much of a relationship between the two. So Nikki saw Linda, her own mom, as hands-off. She never really asked her to be involved at all. And she relied heavily on her grandma. But the situation, I mean, it seemed like it was perfect for the girls. They were doing well in school. They were doing well in activities. They had, you know, all the nice things. They also had a pretty uh, friendly relationship with their mom. Nikki, she would come and go and... They saw her as like a cool sister or friend, not so much their own mother, like I said. It was said that Nikki was a lot of fun. She loved to still go out, meet, meet guys. She had a great dating life. It's just she wasn't the primary caretaker. And if you think about it, like the, the twins, they also, it's kind of like a built-in best friend, kind of. I don't know. I think that's the assumption we all make with twins, but... I don't know, maybe there's some twins out there who like really hate each other. I'm sure there are. Can't stereotype twins. I personally would love to be a twin. No, I don't think I would like to be a twin. I feel like it would just be never ending competition. Not that you're competing, but you kind of are, you know? Anyways, Bailey, true crime, okay? So like I said, Nikki, the mother, she was very social, very outgoing. She had a bit of a reputation being like a bit of a party girl. She liked to have fun. She liked to go out. She liked to, you know, drink and dance and all that stuff. And she also really liked men, you know? 
good for her. She was in her 20s, just living it up. And I bring up the men part because later on I'm going to tell you that she had multiple lovers, which is like, good for her. You know, that's a full-time job in itself, but we're not there yet. So when Nikki was 25 years old, she met a man named Robert Head. I know, pause for the name because could you imagine if your name was Mr. Head or Miss Head? Yeah, Robert Head, he was 30 years her senior. I'm gonna take a moment because I'm gonna make a quick little side note. I don't understand that saying. When someone's like, oh, they're 25 years, they're senior. Like, what does that even mean? I don't get it. What does that mean? I don't know, but I said it because (laughs) that's how he was described. Maybe you guys get it. I don't. And if you don't get it, Robert was 55 and Nikki was 25, which, you know, I mean, it's your life. Do what you want. But like, come on, that's like, that's like literally dating at your dad. But no judgment here, you know, she loved him. Great. We support that. So Mr. Head was a long haul truck driver out of Conyers, Georgia. I guess Conyers is like a suburb outside of uh, Atlanta, 20 miles away. So it's kind of similar to where the girls and Della and also Nikki were living in Decatur, just slightly further out. It's not a super big area and it was pretty, pretty safe neighborhood. No, not a lot of crime, just somewhere that seemed like a nice place to raise a family. Based off of what I read, I could be completely wrong, but it sounded quite nice. Like I had mentioned, Robert was driving trucks for a living, so he really wasn't home a lot, which Nikki really, she she liked that because her relationship with this Robert guy, Mr. Head, um, it was open, or at least it was semi-open. Um, he was gone a lot of the time, and I'm trying to be careful with my words because I don't want to say that he knew. Some sources said that, like, it was an agreement. They had an open relationship. And then other sources said that um, Nikki, she just had, you know, she had Robert, but then when he was gone, she had a boyfriend, you know, which, yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> I just keep saying, you know, because I don't really do your thing girl like okay but Robert was on the road like 80% of the time and yeah so she liked that apparently their arrangement worked it worked for them because they stayed together for a really long time and when Nikki was 31 years old the girls her girls were then 13 years old Robert and Nikki were six years into their relationship I believe and that's when Robert was like hey, I want you guys to move to Conyers. I want you to move into my house with me and we can, you know, create our own little family situation. And with Nikki, she was growing up. She wanted different things in life. She wanted to have her kids around and have a sense of family. So she was all on board. Also, Nikki really wanted to have the girls back in her life and she wanted to be the primary caretaker. Um, She felt like she was in a place where she was ready to be there their mom and yeah she just she just felt ready you get it so nikki agreed and she said okay and her she made it a priority to go get custody of her daughters back and she was just feeling really excited like it was going to be a new chapter new beginning you know plus uh robert had lived in like a nice gated community so it should be it should be fun it should be great i don't know 
some people really like gated communities. They're all right. They're kind of more of an inconvenience, but okay, you know? Okay, so the only problem with this plan is that when Nikki brought it up to the girls, they did not want to move in with this Robert guy. Um, but most of all, they didn't want to move in with their mom. They don't know her as their mom, you know? Like, oh, so now you're going to come, you're going to show up and take us? We like our life with our grandmother or great-grandmother. So... Obviously, not going to be too excited about that because they don't want to leave their current situation. But even though the girls were resisting and resisting hard, Nikki still followed through and she made it happen. She got custody back of the girls. They all moved out of Della's house and into Robert's home um, in Conyers. And it was around this time, around the move, that the twins, their behavior just did a 180, allegedly. So people who knew the girls said that their behavior was like night and day. Just things went really south for the girls, um, Jazz and Taz, and their grades even started to slip, which was like wild because, you know, they were really smart and did really well in school. And they noticed like at school and whatnot that the girls were more angry and they were often becoming quite violent. Whoa, you know? Plus it doesn't help that they're teenagers, like the worst time to really go through all this major change. I mean, they're not gonna be happy about it. Teenagers, huh? Now, Nikki at home, she's noticing the girl's behavior. And for the first time, um, she really steps up and puts down some rules and she get, becomes very strict. But in reality, she's being a parent, right? The girls though, they didn't like this because they knew their mom as more of like the older sister party type. So to all of a sudden step up and start acting like a mom was not received well, okay? They were not happy that this lady who hasn't been around for you know, much of their life or like didn't raise them was now making all these rules and demands and just, mm -mm, they were not having it. They were not happy. Nay, nay, they were not happy. And uh, you don't want to piss off teenagers because, you know, they're so scary. According to Nikki's friends, her new like strict style of parenting was actually more of a natural progression. She didn't want her children to have the same life that she did having a child young and kind of just bouncing around and whatnot. She wanted them to do better and be better. And she just wanted better for her kids. When Nikki was around 13 and 14, like that's when her, she said in her own life that, you know, um, she was becoming like a party girl, going out, going out all the time, not listening to her parents, whatever. And now that the twins were this age, she's kind of seeing the same pattern happening with them and she doesn't want that. So she's becoming more and more strict to really, in hopes, prevent them from being like her, which sounds really mean, but you get it. You know, you want, you want your kids to do better than you did, hopefully. Be better, right? I get it. But when you're a teenager, you do not get that. Well, the twins, they definitely didn't like this. They thought it was very hypocritical because, you know, they're, she's going out partying or was like a big party girl, whatever. And now she's cracking down all these rules on them. To them, it didn't make sense. Like, how are you going to tell us to do this when you're doing the same thing, mom? You know, just being a teenager. And when you're a teenager, like it makes sense because you you just can't wrap your head around it. But as an outsider looking in, or if you just 
are an adult, I'm sure you can understand, like, Nikki is doing the right thing by actually trying to step up and set some rules and boundaries. They're important. So Nikki figured that the girl's behavior had changed so much because of all of the change going on. I mean, Nikki figured that the girls were most likely, based off their behavior and stuff, that they were most likely following in her footsteps and were probably using drugs, having sex. Plus, on top of that, they were dropping out of their after-school activities and they were spending more time with friends or with boys, you know? So Nikki's trying to crack down on these kids and they are not having it. Like I had said earlier, they really thought that this was hypocritical of their mother because it was like, mom, you still go out and have fun. You got a boyfriend and a husband. Like, don't tell me what to do. So I'm sure from their perspective, it's very frustrating to be accused of doing the same things your mother's doing, you know? You get it. Also, there was no proof that the twins were actually living like that, like going out, hanging out with boys, having sex, doing drugs. It's just the assumption that Nikki made, and so she was really trying to crack down on them. So that's probably also why they were getting irritated and angry and upset because if they weren't doing that, you know, you would be upset too. Teens be teenin'. It didn't take long after moving into the new house and the new situation that the girls, they went from being like angry teenagers, like, I hate you, mom, to actual violent teenagers. To the point where Nikki, if she did something that they didn't like or set up a rule or boundary they didn't like, they would, they being the daughters, would physically attack her, like really beat her. Nikki had called the police like numerous times because it got so bad. One of them was a biter. Mm -hmm. I forget which one. One of them really liked to bite and they would bite the mom. Like just... (laughs) freaking brutal. It got to a point where Nikki had realized like, okay, uh, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I should send them back to live with great-grandmother for a while. And she did just that. The two twins, they go back to live with their great-grandmother for a while. And to them, they registered this as like, oh, so if I beat the crap out of my mom, we get to go back home, you know? So they knew they could get their way if they just were awful to their mother, you know? They wanted to live with Della. That was where their friends were at, their school, stability and everything. So they were happy to go back with her. They did end up having to go to court for what they did to their mother. But again, they were just sent to live with Della for a while. And yeah. And this is where the power struggle really started to ramp up in the family because you have all like these different players um, with different ideas of how their family should be structured. You had the twins, the twin girls, uh, Nikki, their mom. You have their great grandmother, Della, but also Linda. Remember, Linda is Nikki's mom. Yes, her. So Linda, she had really not been much of a player up until this point. So she starts chiming in and Nikki is expressing, you know, everything that's been going on that the girls are just not adjusting well. And, you know, they're also a little violent and dangerous and stuff, it seems, I'm not sure. But that she wanted to have them back in her life. And Linda tells Nikki, like, I support that decision. You need to get your girls back. That's the right thing to do. You need to be a mom. You need to do that, which... 
Linda like really wasn't even around much. So it's like, why are you going to chime in now? But I also can understand why you'd want to listen because it's like all you want is just your mom to be a mom. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just assuming that Nikki listened because I don't know. She wants advice from her mom. Linda apparently put a lot of pressure on Nikki to reclaim her children. There was a lot of speculation around this that, you know, maybe it was that she didn't want her daughter to be like her. Um, maybe she had a guilty conscience. Maybe she really didn't like the great-grandmother, Linda. She didn't like her mom and was like, you need to get your kids out of there or something. But everything's not working. No one's on the same page, it seems like. So the girls, they had beat up their mother pretty badly, and they ended up in court and had to go through the whole court process. Um, and because of this, they actually ended up with court-mandated family counseling. Della said that the family saw up to six different counselors over the course of, like, a couple of months. The counselors would, like, write notes, and it would say, like, this family thrives in chaos, and they struggle to take responsibility for who is causing the family stress. Which, fair. Well, it came out in court. I was going to say, like, aren't you not supposed to uh, tell make those public, but court, duh. So the girls end up living back with them, their mother and they are beating her up and being very abusive towards her. Nikki calls 911 like over and over again. So like police in the area know about the family and the girls because they're always being called over there. And this goes on for about two years. It's really sad because they really do abuse their mother, Nikki. Like it's intense and it's just, really really sad but the girls end up going back to their grandmother's house Della and Nikki is continually fighting for like her children back and it's just a hot mess okay it's a hot mess After nearly two years, one of the counselors that worked with them said that their situation with Della, their great-grandmother, like even though the twins really wanted to stay there and be there, it wasn't necessarily like a better option at all um, and that they should be with Nikki, which I'm sure that's not going to go well. So this counselor is telling them that, yeah, the kids should go back with Nikki. That's their mother. The swapping around between families is just causing more problems and the family situation was not stabilizing in any way plus the girls now that they were teenagers they didn't like go back to their great-grandmother's house and were rainbows and lollipops it was like they were misbehaving they were getting into trouble still they were going out having fun hanging out with the wrong crowd everything is just kind of a hot mess you know so in january of 2010 the girls the twins are now 16 years old and the judge grants nikki custody of the girls once again which is not a good idea these girls are pissed and they know subconsciously like not subconsciously, I think they just freaking know, like, hey, if we are mean to our mom, we always get sent back, so that's just what we have to keep doing. So I guess nobody was really happy about this situation, except for Nikki, I think, but there was another conference that was set up in, like, two weeks. It was going to happen in January, um, later that month, and they were going to reevaluate the situation and um, just kind of see what was really going on, dig a little bit deeper, but... 
Until then, the girls had to go live with their mom and it was effective immediately. And Nikki, she was doubling down. Not only did she have the girls move back in with her, she actually pulled them from the high school that they were attending and had them start at a brand new high school. Can you imagine? So like you're 16 years old, you already hate your mom and stuff, and then she makes you go to a new school, a high school. They're not happy. Yeah, it's going to be bad. This is going to be real bad. But her, Nikki's trying. She's just trying, you know? She's she's just trying. But if you've been a teenager before, which I think you probably have been, you know that this is not going to be a good thing. And sure enough, it didn't take long because like a week after uh, moving in, police were called out to the house twice, two different times. The whole family gets together to have like a welcome home party for the girls it didn't go so well because jazz became very upset very violent she was like throwing food she was shoving her aunt into the wall she was just becoming very aggressive at this welcome home party it's not funny i'm laughing because it's just she's trying she's really trying nikki she's like welcome home and the girls are violent they are mean so, I mean, I think it's really easy to see both sides, you know, like Nikki's trying to to be welcoming and have the kids have this party and know that like everyone's there for them. But at the same time, the girls don't want to be there. They're angry. This wasn't their home. I'm not saying they have a right to get violent or anything, but I'm sure you're mature enough to understand what I am saying, which is you can see both sides. They didn't want to be there. Okay. They just were angry. And it feels like every time Nikki was trying to do something, it just made the situation worse. So it's like, what do you do? What do you do at that point? Now, remember, they're all living at Robert's house. The husband, he's literally never there. And he was on the road. He was gone. So it's just the girls and their mom in the house. And tensions are very high. So this leads us to January 13th. 2010. This is like just a little over a week since the girls were forced to move back in with their mother. Now, I guess this day there was a police officer in the neighborhood patrolling the area, just driving up and down the streets, right? And when this police officer was driving past the girls' home, out comes running Taz. She comes out running from the house and she is waving her arms trying to get this cop this police officer to stop so she's screaming she's just crying she's a hot mess and the officer's like what is going on i'm here to save the day i don't know she ends up telling the deputy that she and her sister had just come home from school and when they walked in they saw all this blood and they discovered their mother dead So, yes, sad, Nikki is dead, poor woman. She was literally just trying to make shit work, you know? Fuck. For good reason, this deputy's like, I should probably go inside. So he goes into the house, he follows Taz, and he said, like on the record, that this house was an absolute horror show. There was tons of blood everywhere. And then he finds Nikki's dead body in the master bathtub. And not only that, she had been stabbed like around 80 times. And there was like a, a an obvious sign that there was a struggle and she was fighting 
hard. She was fighting her hard for her life. But when I saw 80 times, I was like, holy, like that's insanity. Insanity. So obviously the, the girls were taken down to the police station for questioning. And when they were there, they were um, questioned together. They said that morning that they had woke up a little late and they had missed their school bus. So they ended up walking to school that day. They made it to school on time. They went to all of their classes. And then on the way home, they took the bus. That's when they walked in the door and they found, or they saw like the whole scene, all the blood and everything. The twins, they had claimed that they had no idea what happened. And when they were being questioned, I mean, they were hysterical, bawling, crying, really just very upset. And even um, in some interviews I saw, like, police officers, they were, like, they were very sad, you know? So they believed their story for a second. But one thing that was very peculiar, the girls, the whole time they were being questioned, they were wearing mittens. You know, mittens. And they it was an interesting observation. Um, it was like this police officer was watching his interview, and he said, like, he just noticed that. When the girls came in, most people take off their gloves or mittens, right? And you make yourself comfortable. But the whole time they were being questioned, they had on the mittens and they were crying and stuff. So he kind of leans in and asks the girls, like, can you take off your mittens? I like the word mittens. <laughs> Anyways, that's not the point. So they were like, okay, you know, just bawling. Ah. Takes them off, shows the officer their hands because, you know, the, the crime scene was brutal. And there were, like, defensive marks on Nikki. So there would definitely be marks on whoever did it. There would be marks on their body for sure. So he looks at uh, their hands and, and sees, like, there's some scratches and stuff. And their explanation is that the two of them, the two sisters, they got into a, a fight with each other. They were just messing around though. So that's what those were from. But noted, you know? So the twins, they swore up and down that they really had no idea what happened. Okay, they were crying. They were really visibly upset. Some people said that they saw the girls like holding each other like little babies and cooing to each other while they were at the station. And it looked like these girls were visibly, like, very traumatized. This is a side note, but, you know, a lot of murders that involve stabbing, and I'm talking about, like, crazy amounts of stabbing or just crazy amounts of violence, it usually indicates that it was a crime of passion. That's, like, the phrase they use, crime of passion. Police officers know that, like, this isn't going to be a typical, you know, break-in, random person breaks into the house or a robbery gone wrong or something like that. It's also not going to be um, a premeditated murder for hire or anything like that because Nikki being stabbed over 80 times was what could be called overkill. Overkill being that you're just so filled or whoever, the killer, so filled with rage and hate that it's not even about killing them. It's just about killing them as much as you can because in that moment, you just hate them so much. That's crime of passion. So with 80 stab wounds, police officers knew it was somebody close to her. So of course, police officers are gonna look at whoever is closest to Nikki besides the girls. Remember... Nikki had Robert, that was like her main man. But Robert was 
on, um, he was working. He was like in a different state completely. So they knew that it wasn't him. He had a pretty solid alibi. So they looked at another one of Nikki's boyfriends. It was a man by the name of Joe Carter. Joe worked in the barbershop next to Nikki's salon. And according to the twins, Nikki and Joe had gotten into a really big argument over the phone the night before. So police are thinking, you know, like maybe he kept the fight going and ended up coming and killing Nikki the next day. And according to the twins, the fight the night before ended with the two of them breaking up. So it seems like Joe could be like a pretty good bet. You know, the police questioned Joe and he was really upset. I mean, even more upset that the police officers came into his place of work, tell him that his girlfriend was murdered. Yeah, he was just upset. Police asked Joe, like, can we ask you some questions? Can you come down to the office, whatever? And he cooperated 100%. He let the detectives and whatnot look on his body to see if there was any injuries. Because like I said, Nikki's death indicated that there was indeed a pretty intense struggle. So they look him up and down and they see that like he's good, nothing, nothing on him. He also let them take his DNA and he also took a polygraph test, which he passed. So yeah, both Joe and Robert were completely cleared of the murder. Joe had nothing to connect him to the murder and Robert was literally in a different state. So wonder who it is. Maybe it's those violent children that, you know, constantly were calling 911 because they were beating their mom. I don't know. Just an idea. So of course, the only two that are really left that were close to her and have had this much hate towards her were the twins. So investigators started to look even closer at them. The police got video footage from a shell station, a gas station that was like along the route from Robert's house to the twins' new school where they claimed to have made it on time. They said that they had missed the bus and ended up walking to school that day. But the video footage determined that was a lie. So on the um, video footage from the gas station, they can be seen walking by at around 10, 15 in the morning. And then a car drives up and there are shadows going on in this car. I guess it was like a Dodge Avenger in case you were wondering, I don't know. And then a man appears to give them a ride to school because about three minutes later after the gas station footage, there is footage of the girls arriving at their high school in that Dodge Avenger and that's when they walk in. So they got a ride from someone. I don't know if it was a friend or a stranger or a family member. Um, no one said anything and they never mentioned it. But what matters is that the walk and this ride leaves about a two to three hour gap, a time period where, I don't know, what were they doing, you know? Like there was a massive hole in their alibi because school did not start at 10, 15 a.m. It starts much earlier than that. So where were they? Hmm? Where were you? Hmm? Where are you? Great question. Valid question. Let me spray my face. So the investigators were able to obtain a search warrant to get the girls' dental records. Oh my God, you know what I just thought of? Do twins have the same like dental records? Like even their teeth are the same? Let me know down below. <laughs> okay, but anyways, dental records. So remember when I said one of them was a biter? Well, Nikki 
when she was killed, she was struggling, right? They noticed on her body that she actually had bite marks, okay? So police wanted to get the dental records to line up like, which one of you bit her? Someone bit her, okay? And then on top of that, when the girls were in the police station, they were very emotional. They were crying. They were like, I want my mommy, like acting like children. They are children, but you know, it was very, it's very emotional. The police officers had noticed that Taz, that she had some scratches and bite marks on her arm. So the police officer asked Taz about that. And she says that it's part of like her, her coping her, what she does when she's stressed or something, she she bites she bites her arms, but also that she had gotten into a fight at school and she got bit. What a coincidence, huh? Wild. Not only bite marks, okay? There was also evidence. There was a lot of evidence actually because the crime scene was so sloppy, a mess, okay? It was all circumstantial evidence, but it was clearly done not only in an act of passion, but with like a real lack of awareness of what a crime scene should show law enforcement. Like apparently there was some attempt made, uh, someone tried to like clean up, but there was too much blood. So the murderer just like tried and then gave up too hard it was just too much and they just gave up also investigators saw a whole rack of towels missing from the closet that the killer had used to try and wipe up some of the blood in the bathroom but again it was just too much they were like it's too much i can't do it so then they took those towels whoever the killer was and they threw those towels in the washing machine to have them washed smart you know like uh they they were trying this killer. It was obvious to law enforcement that somebody, someone had tried and started to clean up the crime scene, but they became too overwhelmed and called it quits. There was a smoking gun though. The piece of hard evidence that like really nailed it for them was a broken vase. And on this broken vase, they found the DNA of Nikki as well as both of the twins. Well, do they have the same DNA? Oh my God, I don't know anything about twins. Their teeth, their DNA, what's going on? So, LOL, joke's on me because twins, Jazz and and, and Taz, the twins, um, they have the exact same DNA. I just learned that right now. <laughs> there was only two types of DNA found on this vase. It was Nikki's DNA and then the DNA that was shared by the twins. So there's actually no way of proving like which one of them did it or if both of them did it. But based on this evidence, I mean, some, one of them, one of them did it, right? It just makes it a little bit trickier or harder to, like, who do you prosecute in this case? Both of them or just or just one of them, you know? So it took about four months for the investigators to collect all of the evidence and draw their conclusions. And on May 16, 2010, the twins were brought in and they cracked, they confessed. So they end up splitting up the girls and doing two separate confessions. But even though they were apart, their confessions were almost exactly the same. And it came down to it being a crime of passion. They hated their mom and they wanted to get rid of her. It's sad because it's such a silly thing. Like I think everyone hates their parents when they're teenagers, but when they actually like act out on it, it's just like, ugh, you idiots. It's great birth control though. Like I don't want kids, shit. So the girls end up going to trial and during Jazz's trial, the prosecutor said that the girls, they had woken up late 
They had gone downstairs into the kitchen. That's where their mother was. And she was upset about something, something they did or um, the breakup with her boyfriend. It wasn't clear, but they could tell that their mom was visibly upset. And then whatever it was, she tried yet again to discipline the girls for something. And that's when the argument got super heated in the kitchen, as it usually does. Apparently, or allegedly, Nikki came at Tess with a pot. It could have been the vase and maybe she had confused it with the pot. But either way, Nikki had come at her with a pot and was like swinging at her. And Nikki hit Taz with the pot. Taz took the pot from her mom, grabbed a steak knife, and that's when she started stabbing. There is evidence to support that Taz was the one who actually did the stabbing. And in addition to the cuts and bites on her arm, she had a deep cut on her finger that was consistent with the sharp blade of a knife. Now this is where the story gets a little weird. According to the prosecutor, Taz said after the first initial fight with the pot and the knife that Nikki, their mom, left the house. Yeah, I don't know. But the weird part is that there was some evidence to support this. Investigators found like a little bit of blood on the wall next to the neighbor's front door. Like maybe she went over there to try and get some help or something and they didn't answer. That was my thought, but very strange. So I guess after leaving the house, Taz said that Nikki came back to the house, sat down because she was very exhausted, and then her mom lunged for the same knife that they were fighting with before, and then the fight continued. That part is just super weird, right? I'm not saying it didn't happen. I wasn't there. You weren't there. I don't know. It was like, okay, sure. During their separate trials, Taz and Jazz both pled guilty and were convicted on three different counts of voluntary manslaughter, falsification of government matters, and possession of a knife in connection with a crime. They can get you for that? Yeah, they can, huh? They were each given a total of 30 years in prison. After it's all said and done, there are two wildly different views people have on of the twins. On the one hand, their great-grandmother, Della, is still firmly 100% in the girl's corner. She thinks the girls were pushed to their breaking point, And some say that, that Della still hasn't really even accepted the fact that the girls had hurt, let alone kill their mother. Apparently, according to some, Della never talked to the girls about their crime and they never told her what they did. They just never talked about it. And Della still talks about them, or she would still talk about them as if they're, uh, you know, out, thriving, just living their best life, even though they're in prison. But they could still be living a good life in prison. Yeah, I don't think so, but maybe. Della, she's given updates on how they've been doing, and apparently both of the girls got their GEDs, and Taz is currently like studying computer tech, and Jazz is studying in the medical field, which is, at least they're doing something, you know, that's good. Now, Nikki's mother, remember Linda? Yeah, Linda. We're bringing it back all with Linda. According to Linda, Jazz went up to Nikki at one point and told her, quote, if I have to go live with you again, I'm going to kill you. And like Linda witnessed this. And it was, it was like two weeks later, Nikki was, was killed. So Linda really felt like Della was responsible for the situation in a lot of ways. Like Della had manipulated this whole situation, that Della had unhealthy control over the girls and must have turned them against their own mother. And I mean, it could be true, we don't know, you know, but I don't, 
I wouldn't put all the blame on her. I think it's just a fucked up situation as a whole. And like, yeah. But a lot of people think that Della was like, yes, she was a mother figure, but also that she was controlling and I don't know. She had something against Nikki. That's what I was reading online. I don't, I don't know if I believe it, but you know, it was mentioned. And yeah, that's that concludes the story of Jazz and Taz. They are going to be in prison for quite some time. Yeah. You can feel bad for the whole situation. And you can also think that they deserve to be in prison because they did, they did a bad thing. You can't go stabbing your mom, crazies. Just be like a normal teenager and just yell. But they're very violent. It doesn't matter. What I'm getting at is poor Nikki. She tried. She really tried. You know? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I feel like that's what I, um, that's my go-to line. You know what I do know? I don't know. That's what I do know. I feel like this is a pretty open and shut case, like bad upbringing, super sad, super awful. I understand the girl's frustrations and everything. I, you know, like I totally could see their side, I could see Nikki's side. I just feel like there's, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if they got proper help from the very beginning, like good therapy and stuff and not like court ordered stuff. Anyways, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. But other than that, make your choices. We'll see you guys later. Goodbye.